What's the beef, boy? So I'm trading. Everybody here is trading. So maybe I trade a little sharper. Does that make me a collaborator? A lot sharper, Sefton. I'd like to have some of that loot you got in those footlockers. Oh, you would, would you? Listen, Stoop, the first week I was in this joint, somebody stole my Red Cross package, my blanket, and my left shoe. Well, since then, I've wised up. This ain't no Salvation Army. This is everybody for himself. Dog eat dog. You stink, Sefton. Don't come off it! You can be the heroes. The guys with fruit salad on your chest. Me, I'm staying put. And I'm going to make myself as comfortable as I can. And if it takes a little trading with the enemy to get me some food or a better mattress, that's okay by Sefton. Good morning and welcome to episode 485 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh. My regular co-host Sam Miller is quite sensibly taking the day off, enjoying the national holiday and the long weekend. So I'm joined again by Russell Carlton, who joined me yesterday. Hello, Russell. You just can't get rid of me. I should mention that this was not my idea. Uh, I am I'm totally on board with this idea, but you you volunteered to do this special holiday edition of Effectively Wild because you know what it means to me to end the week on a multiple of five. And this this holiday jeopardized that run. Well, Ben, you know, I used to be a therapist and I just couldn't stand the thought of you uh, sitting there going, but it has to end. It has to end on a five. <laughs> so I, I uh, yes, I, I bravely volunteer just uh, uh, so that, that you could sleep well at night. Yes. Thank you for sparing me that strain. So we want to talk about something that uh, that Russell and I had had discussed over email earlier this week, just out of interest in the topic, not planning to do a podcast about it, but this is how things worked out. We want to talk about the wisdom or the folly of trading within the division. And this is something that I was thinking about because we recently did our trading David Price exercise, which was something you suggested actually, and and Sam and I talked about it last week. And one thing that sort of struck me as I was pretending to be Andrew Friedman and fielding offers from other BP authors who were pretending to be other general managers was that the the raised market or a good portion of the raised market is potentially within its own division. You could certainly imagine the Yankees being interested in David Price. You could be imagine the, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, all of these teams interested in David Price. And and we are recording this on Wednesday night. For all we know, by the time you heard this, price will have been traded somewhere. So we won't make this all about price. It, it applies to, to any player, any trade. But there is a stigma surrounding this idea of trading within the division. There's a sense that certain teams are unwilling to do it uh, or that it would take take an exorbitant price for them to do it. And And I wonder whether that makes sense. Does it make sense that teams should not be willing to trade within the division? Well, I mean, you think about it. The, the the big thing that everyone talks about is the PR disaster that goes with, you know, let's say that, uh, again, David Price, if you traded him to Toronto or, or New York or something like that, he's going to come back to Tropicana Field mm-hmm. and he's going to come back, you know, what you'll see him three times in a year and then, you know, a couple other games when they play on the road. Um, and, you know, he's he's going to beat your team and there's that that optics of it and i think that 
people kind of get carried away in that we just you know we just gave our guy to this uh, to the other team in our division how could we possibly do that um but i for 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 me i think that's a little overblown i mean i th- there's there's something to it but i think that um people are people blow it a little out of out of proportion i mean you know you think about it if you know to take um jeff samarja who's you know been highly rumored let's say that the cardinals come in and say hey you know we want to make a run for it and here cubs will give you you know a couple of our our blue chippers here and you know that's the best offer um to my mind i i think i sit there and i think you know well why why turn it down just because you know they're your next door neighbors geographically Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I looked into the the recent history of intra-division trades, or I should say Rob McEwen did, one of our, our sequel stars at Baseball Prospectus, looked up transactions, trades within the division from 2010 to 2014, and there were more than I expected. There have been 24 of them in that in that fairly limited time period. Of course, a lot of those are insignificant moves. The most recent from this April was player to be named later for Hector Noesi, which is not really a blockbuster. There are a lot of those, you know, Koi Hill for player to be named later, Gorky Hernandez for cash. Uh, so these are, these are not, <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, the White Sox weren't worried that, that cash was going to come back to haunt them, right. that he was going to become a star with the Royals and, and uh, plague them in the division for the next several years. However, there are some, notable intra-division trades that have been made lately and maybe not surprisingly lots of them involve billy bean lots of them involve the a's uh so there was the one over this past winter the the craig gentry michael choice trade between the a's and the rangers there was the jed lowry trade the previous offseason just as the astros were moving to the al west the, the A's Something the... that I still, I continuously <laughs> forget that they, I still think of them as a National League team. Yes, I have my lapses, but yes, there was the, there was that one, the, you know, Chris Carter and Jet Lowry and, and a few other players. And, and there was, uh, going further back, I mean, there have been a, a few three-way trades that the A's have been involved in, like the, the John Jaso, AJ Cole, Michael Morse trade between the Nationals and A's and Mariners and, and going even further back, the the Justin Smoke trade, which uh, which you know the the Mariners and and the Rangers were involved in, and and the Angels, you know, and the Mariners traded Jason Vargas and Kendris Morales. So it it happens. Uh, maybe not not a ton of trades of the of the import of a David Price trade, but of course there aren't a lot of those trades. Period. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Maybe the the media reports about so and so doesn't want to trade within the division. Maybe that's overblown. Maybe Billy Bean is doing this more often than other general managers to take advantage of some some stigma that doesn't deserve to be there. Um, but it's it's possible that that this is a thing that happens more often than we think. Can I just call that the mo- the new money ball so everybody can take their <laughs> shot? Yes, market inefficiency. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we had an email exchange about this earlier, and and you you kind of, I mean, you get it. You don't, particularly if there's a rivalry between teams, you don't want your, you don't want to send David Price to the team that 
maybe you will be competing for a playoff spot again next year. The Rays certainly don't consider themselves out of it for 2015. And if they were to trade him to someone else in the AL East, they might face him several times next year. They might get beaten by him several times next year. Maybe that doesn't look so good when you have your fans watching a guy that you essentially salary dumped in a sense coming back to to beat you and so you can see why they would be reluctant but at the same time you are if you are trading within the division it's because you think you're getting the best deal from the team in your division and if that if that means obtaining prospects from that team then then presumably you are robbing that team of of production from those prospects down the road, which maybe would, would benefit you in the long term. Well, yeah. And I guess the other thing is that, you know, if you're, if you're a team that's looking to do, and, and usually, I mean, here we're talking about the classic July, you know, your, your future for my present type of trade. And it's the, you know, the veteran that's in Price's case. I mean, he's, he's still got a year left on that contract, but usually it's a, uh, a veteran that's in the last year of his contract. You know, the reason that you're trading him is that, you know, you don't have him past this year and you consider this year a waste. And so at this point, he's just kind of a toxic asset and you might as well dump him um, and get what you can for him. And so, yeah, I mean, in the, the, in the sense of, you know, he might come back and, and maybe he does sign long-term with, with the team that you traded him to, but, you know, he could have done that. He could have done that anyway, um, after the year was up, um, you know, price is, is kind of an interesting case because, you know, he's a, he's got the extra year. He's, he's an arb three next year. So he's, he's technically, he's going to go to arbitration and that's, you know, going to be an interesting arbitration case because, you know, you think of the comps that he would have, I think the closest one that I can think of off the top of my head would be somebody like Tim Lincecum. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, he's, he's got a Cy Young award and he's, you know, broadly considered to be one of the better pitchers in the league. And, um, and, you know, Lincecum, I think in his third RB year, he got, I think he 20 million. He, they, I think the giants and he just agreed to, to sign before they actually went to, uh, went into the, the hearing room. But, um, you know, he's David price probably brings that up. And, um, so he probably gets, you know, at the low end, he gets 18 million and maybe he gets uh, at the high end, maybe he gets 22. I don't know. Um, so, I mean, it's not um, it's it's not exactly that uh, um, that he's kind of a freebie there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and in our email exchange that uh, that will now let everyone in on um, this is this is uh, this is what Ben and I do all day. We just email <laughs> back and forth and mm-hmm. um, he sends me uh, he sends me story ideas. But um you know, I, I compared it to. I said, you know, realistically, what the what the Rays have is that they basically have a one year option on David Price that they can be fairly sure is going to be something in the neighborhood of twenty million. Now they can exercise that option, or they can they can trade him to to somebody else. But realistically, I mean, let's say they trade him to the Yankees or the Blue Jays or something like that. You know, what they're really doing is that they're um, they're facilitating the Blue Jays kind of spending their free agent money earlier than than the offseason mm-hmm. because he's going to get paid $20 million next year. So if the Blue Jays are going to trade for him, they have to be comfortable with the fact that they have a $20 million slot in their payroll structure next year. And so it's a 
you, you kind of have to start there. And you know, twenty million for a one-year contract with David Price is probably a good deal, or at least a risk worth taking. Um, and I, I could imagine um, a number of teams that would say, "Yeah, we'd we'd like to do that." And then the Rays would be collecting um, prospects as kind of a broker's fee for for enabling them to to sign what's essentially a slightly below market um, deal for um, for a free agent. Um, mm-hmm that they otherwise would have to go out and get. Um, but the other piece of that is that, you know, let's say that, um, you know, the Blue Jays had an interest in price, but then they don't get him. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of saying, well, you know, we think we need a pitcher. We think we have $20 million to spend on somebody next year. And, but, you know, we didn't get price. So in the off season, what they're going to do is they're going to go out and they're going to go, uh, shopping and maybe take some of that money and spend it on, I don't know, like a Justin Masterson or something like that. And they would, uh, so they're, you know, it's trading them price. Yeah. It gives them David price, but, um, by not doing that, it's not like the, the other team is just going to stand pat. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to go out and they're going to do something else. So yeah, it's not, you know, David price is coming back to us instead of, you know, some random fifth starter that, is replacement level. It's next year we're facing David Price instead of facing somebody that we picked up off free agency. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not that you're making your rival better by a factor of David Price necessarily. If they want to trade for David Price, that means that they think that they need a pitcher, and it means they have enough money to pay David Price. Which means that if you didn't give them David Price, then they would go out and trade for or sign someone else and you would still have to face that person who maybe right. would be equivalent or close to equivalent to David Price, but you wouldn't get anything out of it. Yeah. And you, so, you know, you're getting, you're making, you are, I mean, in terms of trading within the division, you are making the, the other team a little better. They get to be a little bit more efficient than they otherwise would have been through their, their free agent signings or whatever, however you want to, uh, set that one up. But, um, but you, you can see that the the factor isn't that huge, and and uh, and as you mentioned, you know if the you know the Rays may take a look at their chances next year and kind of go, no no no, it's just not gonna not gonna work next year either. And at that point, you know if they consider next year a lost cause, well then why not? I mean then at that point he's um, yeah he becomes a free agent, but um, I mean you you have no uh, claim to him beyond that point. Um, and so, you know, that's a that's one of those decisions that you might as well get something for him, and and um, and then hopefully those prospects come up, you know, three five years down the road, and that team that you are um, that you just traded uh, traded them to, um, who you're now competing against, has fewer prospects, fewer guys to call up, and uh, and you have them, and and so you've. Uh, um, you were writing those years off anyway, so you might as well uh, do it that way. And you kind of—it's uh, kind of a twofer, and um, you've weakened your enemy, and you've you've strengthened yourself. And uh, um, so it's—it it actually turns out that you can make a case for it's actually the better deal to to deal within your your division. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are some risks associated with this. So so if. You know, if you are the Rays, say you trade him within the division and he is the piece that that team needed to put it over the top and it goes on to to win the World Series and David Price 
pitches game seven and he wins and and not only do they win the World Series, but Price is so happy there that he signs a below market extension and he's he's there for the next decade beating you and the team is getting the revenue and and selling all the extra t shirts and tickets and season tickets because they won the World Series and they get that they get that playoff bonus, then conceivably that that would be bad. That that could backfire. It could. I mean, we know that one of the biggest drivers of, of teams' revenue is is whether or not they make the playoffs. And, you know, that that's why you see teams that are on, you know, the very fringes of, you know, our playoff odds uh, uh, calculator, they, they're, they're still being listed as buyers because, you know, we might bring our chances up to getting into the coin flip game. And, yeah, most likely we'll probably get nailed 3-1 in the uh, division series. But, you know, but there's a chance that we could do that. And you start hearing them make noises about making these moves that otherwise would not make sense mm-hmm. um, because the, the allure of that that playoff spot is so big, um, both in terms of prestige. I mean, you could say that, um, you know, one, one other benefit to them might be, um, you know, later on when – you know, two years down the road, when you're competing for some unrelated free agent, um, they might prefer the team that has, you know, the quote unquote winning culture or that, you know, they've they've got a better chance to um, to put these things uh, to put everything together so that I can finally win a championship and retire and um, and uh, um, and say that, hey, I was on a World Series team. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of uh, you kind of run that risk that, you know, maybe you're you're bolstering their image. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much bolstering of an image the Yankees and Red Sox need, but mm-hmm. um, but uh, that's uh, uh, but you you do kind of run that that uh, that harder to quantify risk there of how much benefit are you giving the other team there, and you know that's I suppose that's something that um, if we did enough gory math maybe we could put a, a, a numerical value on, but um, it's a little bit elusive as to. Um, as to how much that would that would really factor into things. Mm-hmm. And best case scenario, you're you're taking away top prospects from that team, who will go on to be a cornerstone of your franchise for the next decade, and then that team will have to to watch those players succeed against them. And so maybe that's maybe that's the part of this that we are not uh, that we are giving short shrift here is that maybe it's maybe it's not so much that that a team is unwilling to trade the veteran for the prospects maybe it's the other way around that teams are are unwilling to trade the prospects for the veteran to to a team within its own division because of course people get attached to their prospects that they draft and and sign and develop and maybe maybe there's an emotional psychological tie there and they don't want to watch those guys succeed within the division and and succeed in their face over the next several years. I suppose there's that, but you know, there is a certain amount of this business where you, you kind of have to, I mean, yeah, I, I understand there is that human element and I, I, I know for a fact that's <clears throat> something that does happen um, where, you know, even, even general managers will say, you know, Hey, you know, we, we've, we've known this kid since he was 17 and now, now we're dealing him. Um, but, uh, um, there has to be a certain cold bloodedness that you have to, you have to do. And, and, you know, throwing all that in and, and, and maybe it's just that you can't bear the thought that, you know, the three guys that you, uh, you traded away end up being the ones that, uh, um, 
that that uh, that sink your team in three years. Um, you know, that's you plays your games and you takes your chances, uh, but you got to take the best chances that you have available. And there there has to be there has to come a point where um, where you say, you know what, this is our best uh, our best our chance to uh, put a World Series trophy in our trophy case. And sometimes you got to do that and it doesn't feel nice to do, but, um, but that's the way, that's the way you play the game. And Mm -hmm. if you are letting yourself, um, be swayed by those types of emotional arguments, well then, you know, you're, you're going to take less than, uh, um, less than, than optimal chances. And it's just so you can feel a little bit better. And you know what, you just basically what you need instead is someone to pat you on the head. (laughs) <laughs> Spoken like a true stat head, trying to take oh, all no, the emotions no, out of the game. Remember, I'm a th- I'm a former therapist, Ben, <laughs> and I'm doing this because I didn't want you to not sleep at night. <laughs> and so, uh, so the other thing, I mean, if theoretically, if you are at least willing to seriously entertain offers from teams within your division, then you're expanding the potential pool of destinations, and you maybe can can conduct the bidding war a little more effectively oh, yeah. if you get if you get legitimate offers from teams within your division then you can go back to another team that's not in your division and say we got this offer from this team and maybe drive up the price a little bit more so there are definitely advantages just in terms of getting getting the best package of players back i kind of wonder how many how much of it is that when there are gms in this situation where they're kind of sitting there going Boy, I hope the team in the other league, you know, if it's the National American League, whatever, I hope that team in the other league that's uh, that's interested, you know, the Dodgers or the Cardinals in the case of the Rays, um, I, I hope they come back and they beat the offer and that they are, they're the best ones so that this decision's kind of made for me. And, you know, I wonder how much of that uh, um, that kind of hope uh, uh, takes over and, and uh, uh, is, is, is playing in people's heads around this time of year. Mm-hmm. So if you were a general manager and you were weighing a couple offers and one was from a team within your division and and one was from a team outside your division, what would the differential have to be for you? Let's say you let's say you estimate your your expected wins above replacement player from from the prospects in the package over their first six years of service time, let's say, and mm-hmm. uh, how how much higher would the number have to be? in terms of expected wins for you to opt for the, the intra-division offer as opposed to the inter-division offer? Well, first off, Ben, who the hell would make me a general manager? <laughs> um, but second, I, you know, there, there probably is, and, and I, I hear, you know, I've, I've heard the term, you know, tax or penalty or something like that for intra-division trades. And probably the correct answer is there should be some, you know, tax or something like that where you, you say, you know what, because there are, and there really are, um, real costs are there. I think they're a little bit overblown, um, but you know, I would I would say that it, it probably shouldn't be all that much. It probably um, should be kind of a um, the fact that you know we're dealing with such unknown quantities when we're dealing with prospects, and and you know we think of all the can't miss prospects that do miss, and the where did that guy come from prospects that uh, that turn into superstars, you know. It, Probably the amount that that would be the proper amount to tax uh, for the interdivision trade is probably going to be so overwhelmed by the noise of the process that you know I don't 
I don't know how much how much time and energy I would sit around and and think about. Um, well, you know, maybe it should it be two and a half wins? Should it be two point four wins? <laughs> and trying to modulate it like that, I um, in in my head, I would just kind of say, you know what? Here, here's 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 uh, the two packages. This one's better than this one. We're going with that one. Mm-hmm. And I uh, that that's how I'd approach the question. Mm-hmm. And in Nick Nick Cafardo's Sunday column at the Boston Globe, he he wrote about the price trading process, and he he noted, uh, let's see, I'll, I will quote: "It's no secret that American League teams, New York, Baltimore, and Toronto, are not backing down in their pursuit, going against the perception that you don't trade a top player within your division. All indications are that the Rays have invited one and all to bid." And then he has a quote from Brewers GM Doug Melvin who says, I was also on the other end of the spectrum when I traded Zach Greinke to the Angels. I had teams within the division asking for him. Mm-hmm. And my approach to that is I had no problem doing it, but I had to get a little extra if I was going to do it. And that's what I told them. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's essentially what we're what we're sitting here. I wonder, though, if that little extra was the uh, uh, was a little negotiating tactic to, you know, I, I, I wonder how much of that would have been. Uh, Ah, you know, hey, if you throw in this uh, this other guy who's a little bit better, you know, maybe we can get that done. And mm-hmm. how much of that was just trying to pry as much as they could out of uh, out of their hands? But I, I I see what they're saying there. If they had any trade talks with the Astros at the time, maybe we will find out. Oh boy, that's that's all out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, have we have we covered this subject thoroughly think, enough? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think as people are are watching things explode or mm-hmm. uh, doing whatever they're doing on the 4th. Grilling, know. that seems like a popular activity. Grilling, uh, we're celebrating America's independence by mm-hmm. uh, grilling mm-hmm. food that's bad for us and mm-hmm. eating it in way too many, uh, way too big amounts and blowing things up. So mm-hmm. it's, um, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, what can I say? Mm-hmm. Okay, so trading, trading within the division, not as scary as it sounds. And uh, it's American. Because, yeah. you know, it's all American or something. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so that is effectively wild for this week. We are ending on a multiple of five. I am satisfied. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I uh, guess I'll be up for, what, Thanksgiving? and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll just call you in. Or you can you can volunteer again to save me the trouble, save me the embarrassment of having to ask someone to come in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the, the designated holiday co-host. See, this is this is my contribution to the BP Employee Assistance Program. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, so please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the one-year uh, subscription at a discounted price of thirty dollars. Please join the Facebook group at facebook.com/group/effectivelywild. Russell is a member of the Facebook group, um, unlike my regular co-host. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Russell we'll and will eventually shame him into it. I hope so. Russell and 1,550 other listeners of Effectively Wild who are talking about baseball at all hours of the day and night. It's a good time in there. Uh, please rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes so that we can continue to recruit new listeners. And please send us emails for next week's listener email show at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. 
I will be back with Sam with a new episode on Monday. Thank you, Russell. Hey, thanks for having me. And have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Oh, okay, I'm going to get a cup of tea. Okay. And I will be right back. I'm going to go pee. Okay. That probably got recorded. It did. <laughs> but I. <laughs> <laughs>